look at it and look at the, the, the man who wrote it a little bit. Um, and uh, hopefully it will bring new life and uh, new understanding and uh, a new application to our lives. So again, I'm going to start reading verse 13. It says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for Paul's example. Lord, just how you worked in his life, Father. That, that, uh, that change that took place uh, in him, from taking him from who he was, Lord, to who you made him to be. And Lord, I thank you for that. God, I, I pray that you would help us to look back at the same thing, Lord, what you did in our lives. Lord, that same change, Lord, that new creature that we've become. God, I pray that we'll be able to see, say the same thing that Paul has said in these three verses. Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us, uh, strengthen us, guide us now. Lord, I pray that you'd empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit, give me the exact words to speak. Lord, may our hearts be in tune with you, uh, tender to the working of your spirit and to the renewing of our minds. Lord, we thank you so much for all you've done and all that you're going to do. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can keep your fingers here. We're going to turn back to the book of Acts just for a moment. Um, there are three phrases there in that passage, um, the I am phrases of Paul. But before we get into those phrases, I want to take a better look at who, another look at who Paul was but the first time we find him mentioned, we find him mentioned in Acts chapter 7. Uh, he is not known as Paul in Acts chapter 7. He is known as Saul. Uh, Stephen, one of, the, one of the deacons, and so notice this deacons, just, just so you're careful. Uh, he, he is asked to answer uh, who he believes Christ is. And if you ask any Christian or if any, any Christian has ever asked who Jesus Christ is, they should be ready to give an answer. Uh, it should be just—it's like—it's like it should be like asking somebody or giving a dog a bone. They, they should be excited. They should be happy to share that truth because of what God's done for them. And so, so here's Stephen, the servant of the Lord, somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter six, has been uh, asked to give an answer for what he was teaching in the uh, in, in the synagogue, and he preaches one of the greatest messages preached about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the gospel means the the good news of Jesus Christ, and uh, it, it was good news. It is good news even today. Uh, it was good news uh, before before he ever heard it. It was good news when God changed his life, and it was good. News news when Saul heard it, but Saul and the rest of the Pharisees that were there were not happy about the good news that they heard. Uh, typically, you have two responses to the gospel. Either they accept it or they reject it. And uh, the, the, the response of somebody who rejects it is that they believe by faith and they get saved. Uh, the, those that uh, heard it that day, uh, it doesn't say that they believed. While it was a, a spirit-filled message, while it was a, 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 a good, solid gospel message, 
Not everybody always hears the gospel and accepts it. So we see what happened here at the end of it. Uh, Verse 55 of chapter 7 says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. The only spot you'll ever see mentioned where Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. Normally it's mentioned that he's seated there. It says above 56, And behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses laid down their clothes, and here's where we find Saul, as a young, at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. The fact that they were laying down their clothes, their cloaks at his feet, showed that he had a position of prominence. Uh, it's not... Uh, it wasn't just that he would happen to be there. They tossed, they just all threw their clothes there to show that he was a leader. Uh, he probably had something uh, uh, to do with stirring up the crowd. Uh, he may have been, a, 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 as far as, a, well, we know he was a Pharisee. The Bible says he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Uh, he had, the, we find out later here in chapter 8, uh, that he uh, is given orders from ch- chapter 8 and chapter 9. Uh, he has power within the church to, to pers- within the, the, the temple to persecute the church. So, so he was a man of, 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 of power there. And he, so they stoned Stephen. We find him again here in verse in verse eight. It says, uh, "And Saul, verse one, was consenting unto his death, meaning he he agreed with it, he he approved of it, uh, and again may have had something to do with it. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church. Now, the church was uh, the church wasn't just existing at this point of time. What do we know about the church at this point in time? What's the Bible say about the church? Well, back in chapter three, they were added into the church." 3,000 that day. Later on, there's even more added. Then the cycle that are multiplied. The church is growing, and the church is growing really fast. So here you have Paul, who's a, or Saul, who is a, a man who, who is a, totally against what the church believes because they're, they're preaching salvation by faith in Jesus alone. It's a, taking power away from, from the Pharisees and the temple, but it's also, uh, it goes against what. They, they, they're denying that Jesus is the Messiah. So he's doing everything he can to stop this ongoing movement of people. Uh, and while the church is growing, Paul begins to breathe out threatenings and begins to have, have people arrested and perse- there's persecutions and all kinds of terrible things. He's going into people's homes. He's ripping them from their homes taking them to jail, taking them to be questioned and then persecuted or, or, or stoned and, and, and killed. He had a lot of blood on his hands. We would, today, uh, now let's put ourselves in that day. The church was terrified of, of Saul. If, 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 if you answered your door and Saul was there, you know what's coming next. He's not there by himself. He's there with with, with men with weapons, and they're going to drag you and your family out of your home. They're going to kill you. And why? Because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. He, he hated this man, Jesus, so much so that he was, this is what he was doing to these people, men, women, and children. Things are going so well for Saul in Acts chapter, or in Jerusalem, that, that, that he's decided to extend his, his uh, outreach and, and, and stop trying to stop this. And so in Acts chapter 9, we, we see him again, and Saul, verse 1, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters 
to, to, uh, to go to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So, so he, he went to the, the temple and says, listen, uh, uh, give, me, give me paperwork so that I can go to the temple there in Damascus and have people arrested there, and I'll bring them back here. And he says, it's not enough that we're just doing it here. The church is expanding. Let's get out there and, 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 and stop this now. And he's, remember, he's breathing out threatenings. He's, he's threatening to murder people. That's his desire. But something happens to Paul in this chapter. And we all know what it is. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you, if you've read the story, if you know the, the story of the Damascus Road, what happens to Saul? Anybody? He meets Jesus. He runs into something that completely, not something, someone who completely changes his life from now on forever. He went from being the one to, from persecuting to, to the church to being the one who who extends the, the church farther than it has ever gone before to preach the gospel not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. To, he, he wrote more of scripture in the New Testament than any other writer did. It's all inspired by the Holy Ghost, all moved by, by God. All this happened, why? Because he ran into Jesus Christ. Now, uh, we know that Paul's walking along that road, he's going along the road, and he, he sees a bright light, and he falls down blind, and he hears a voice, and it, and it says, Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? Who's he talking to? Or who, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus meets him, and, 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 it, Paul, and he's, he realizes, uh, he, he talks about the conviction Paul's had, he said, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now Paul falls to the ground and he, he says, what would you have me to do? We see that he submits himself and by faith we know that he trusts in Jesus Christ. And listen, there are a lot of people that, that, that by faith say that they're going to follow Jesus Christ. But I, it amazes me the transformation that took place in Paul's life. Because there are a lot of people that say that they've gotten saved, and, and Paul, and, 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 but they don't live out the change. Or as, at least as much of the change. Paul went from persecuting the Christian to being not only a Christian, but a preacher of the gospel and a planner of churches. And, 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 and just, it, now I, it wasn't as short as just a couple of chapters. It's the, there's a period of, of years in, in Paul's life where, where God was working in his heart. But man, it was a complete change. Sudden and, and complete. When Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, uh, that, that, uh, that, uh, that the old man has passed away, behold, all things have become new, he writes that because it was real in his life. So when, when, when we read these, uh, this passage in, in Romans chapter 1, you can turn back there uh, if, you, if you turned away from it. When we read these, this passage, these three sayings that Paul has, he says, I am, uh, and he, he mentions a couple different things. Uh, and these are things that are real in Paul's life. But as he sees them as real, and as he's experienced these things, and this change in his life, the truth is we're all saved. And we all sh should be able to say these same things. Notice with me, if you would, uh, verse 14 of chapter 1 of the book of Romans. Paul says, I am both debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. The first I am statement that Paul makes, he says, I am debtor. Now, what does he mean, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians? Well, before he be a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians, the truth is he's a debtor unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid a debt that Paul could not pay himself. 
When uh, it wasn't, uh, listen, Paul said, uh, if he, uh, out, of, out of anybody else, uh, if they're going to go by his pedigree, he had a greater pedigree than most other people. As, as touched me a lot, he was a Pharisee. Uh, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin. He went and goes and he gives that. But all of that, the Bible says, he, he in turn, come to, found, or come to count as, as dung. It was waste. There was nothing to it. And he learned to, to follow after Christ. He didn't earn his salvation. Christ paid it for him. We talked about this this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. Uh, how, how we are, how, uh, go ahead and turn over there if you would. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Jesus Christ died for us, and we don't live unto ourselves any longer. We've been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. We should live unto God. Again, going back to Romans 12, 1, like I did this morning, uh, uh, that uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. We don't belong to us anymore. Paul understood that he was a debtor. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 1, he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He understood that he was not his own anymore. And listen, we need Christians today that understand that we're not our own anymore. We can't do what we want to anymore. That we have a, a, a master uh, in heaven. Uh, we will say he's our Lord, but uh, Jesus said that you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say. We need to understand that he is our master. I, I, it doesn't matter who, who sits in the Oval Office. That's not my master who reigns in heaven. That's my master. He understood that, 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 that he was a debtor unto Jesus. But here he says there in verse 14, and not, not only is he a debtor unto Jesus, but also notice he calls himself, he says a servant of Jesus Christ and then an apostle and he's separated into the gospel of God. He is the, a debtor unto his father. He's a debtor unto the gospel. But here in verse 14, it says he's a debtor to, to the barbarian and to the Greek, to the wise and the unwise. How can I be a debtor of somebody I've never met? Now, yes, I understand. I'm a debtor to Jesus Christ. I owe, I owe him everything. But how can I be a debtor to the, to the Greek and to the barbarian? What's it talking about? It, it, it's, it's pretty much saying it doesn't matter who they are, you're a debtor to them. The Jews thought that everybody outside of the Jewish faith was uh, the Gentiles. Well, they were separate and not as worthy. But Peter and Paul later being made an apostle to the Gentiles taught them differently. Jesus taught us differently, taught us that differently. So what's he saying here? How, how can I be a debtor from somebody I never met? Rich, if to be my to, be, to become my debtor, you have to borrow money from me, right? I'm not giving you any. 
<laughs> if Rich borrows 25 bucks from me and says, hey, I need some money for gas, or, or uh, I'd like to buy Marge a Christmas card, or uh, I don't know, something, uh, he, uh, he says, can I borrow some money from you? I give him $25, and now he is a debtor unto me. But let's say he's never met me before. He's not going to come ask me. How can he become a debtor for me? Brother Troy says, hey, Brother Rich, can you do me a favor? Tomorrow you're going to see Brother Rob. Here's $25. And I want you to give that to him. And so Brother Troy gives Brother Rich $25. And the next day, Brother Rich sees me, but he's still holding on to his $25. It's not his. It's mine. Who does he become a debtor to? Me. See, what, you know what's happened? We're a debtor to Christ. Christ has given us something to give to others. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I don't get, give that to them, what they deserve, what have I become? A debtor to them and a debtor to Christ. God has called us, each and every single one of us, to be a witness and a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, he made Paul an apostle, and God gives some to be apostles and some to be teachers, and God gives us all in different ways, but we've all been called to be preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to pastor a church to be a preacher of the gospel. You just have to be a believer in Jesus Christ to have been, to have been commanded and called to be a pastor. He's, he is a debtor. Paul says, I am... A debtor would help if I had the right notes. There we are. I was looking at the notes from this morning. Uh, I am a debtor. I'm in debt to Christ, and debt, I am in debt to all those without Christ. Not only did Paul said, say that I am a debtor, he also said I am ready in verse 15. Paul says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Now, listen, if Paul was going to Rome, his desire was to be in Rome. Now, listen, he's written to, the, to those that are in Rome that are saved, but his desire is to now come to Rome and to preach the gospel. And, and he says that I am ready. Uh, it, it takes somebody who understands that they're debtor unto the Lord to be willing. Uh, and, 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 but we not only need to be willing to do something, we need to be ready to do something. Paul says, I am ready to preach the gospel. But, but notice, the first, uh, notice the first part of that verse. He says, he says in verse 15, So as much as is in me is. Something first needs to be in me for me to be ready to preach the gospel. If, if I'm going to do something in and of my own power, in my own ability, I may be able to get up and clearly enunciate and communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But without the power of the Holy Spirit behind me, nobody's ever going to get saved because it isn't my, it isn't my ability to speak. It isn't my, my commu communication skills or my, my ability to illustrate a good story. It, 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 is, it is not my ability to bring along great graphics and, and have great programs and, and have big buildings and do all these other things. None of those things will, will, will convince anybody of the truth of the gospel. The only thing that will convince them and open their eyes of understanding is the Holy Spirit of, G of, of God. Where does that come from? Well, he dwells in me. 
And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, and be filled with them. Luke chapter 11 says that, that God is more than happy to give him unto me if I just ask him. Uh, but, but listen, as much as he is in me, that's how ready I am. I have a feeling Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just reading uh, the things that he went through and, and everywhere he went, his purpose was to preach the gospel. You want to know why there was such a change in his life? Because not only did the Spirit of God indwell him, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His purpose was to preach the gospel. Uh, it changed from being to, to persecute the church to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you notice, it never, ever, 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 ever went back. He didn't say, you know what, I'm tired of preaching for a while. I just need to take a break. No, they beat him to, to, to nigh on death. They left him for dead in the street outside of the city. And he didn't get up and say, you know what, I'm going to find a hospital and recuperate from this. He went up, got up, and he walked back into the town. And the next day, do you know what he did? He preached the gospel. Why? Because he was allowing the Spirit of God to lead him in everything. Now, I understand that we have jobs. I understand that we have families. I understand that we have things that bills to pay and things to do. And, I, I, and God understands those things. But what he's also done is placed upon us a call to preach the gospel. And he's placed in us the Holy Spirit of God, which we're to yield to. And guess what? God will give us opportunities if we're ready, if we're willing He'll give us opportunities to preach the gospel. And listen, somebody might get saved, and they may not get saved right now. But if we're not willing, and if we're not ready, if we're not full of the Spirit, there will be no opportunities. If you remember Philip, he's in Samaria in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter I believe it's chapter 8. He's, he's there, in, and he's there, and there's a, they're preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved. And the Spirit of God came to Philip, and he said, I want you to leave this place. People are getting saved. Do you want me to go do what? I want you to go into this desert place. Well, that makes no sense to me. I'm going to stay right here. We know, we know Philip didn't do that. We know that he went out into the midst of that desert place and he walked there while a man rode a chariot from Jerusalem that came from two different directions. And, and somehow they, they just perchance, by accident, who knows how it happened, ended up in the middle at the same time. Oh, it wasn't an accident. We know it was the sovereign hand of God. That it wasn't that God knew just at the right time when to tell him to start walking, and how fast and He knew just how fast Philip was going to walk. I don't know. He knew how fast those horses were going to run, when they were going to need to stop to drink or eat. And when he got there, Philip said, "Hey, the Spirit said to Philip, there he is. Run and catch him." Maybe Philip dawdled a little bit. I don't know on the way, but he saw him. He ran. And he caught him. And guess what? He was able to 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 preach to him from Isaiah fifty three, right where he was, and to help him to understand that that Isaiah was speaking about Jesus Christ, and he became a believer. It's one of those uh, times when the Spirit works in somebody's life, and we call those uh, divine appointments. God meant for him to be there with that man that day. Listen, you don't have to be a, a preacher, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a missionary to have an opportunity uh, for God to work and use you in planting the gospel in the heart of somebody else. You just have to be willing, and you have to be ready, and you have to be full of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, first we need to be called. If you're saved, raise your hand. You've been called. The Bible says, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You've been called. 
You, 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 don't, need, uh, you don't need a, a theology degree with your name stamped on there with any special signature. You don't need a, you don't need a license. You, don't, you just need the gospel of Christ in your heart and the desire to tell somebody else, you have been called. You need to be separated out unto it. Guess what? You've been separated out unto it. God has specifically called you. He's called all of us. You need to be purified. Well, I'm not there. None of us are. Do you know how we, how we purify ourselves in preparation for this? Ephesians 4.23 says that we, we purify ourselves or, or renew, our, renew ourselves in the spirit of our mind. Romans chapter 12 talks about, about not conforming to this world but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? Through the washing and regeneration of the word of God in our lives. Listen, you don't have to be perfect to, be a, to, be, to preach the gospel. Nobody, not even Paul, was perfect. He still had his struggles. He still had his, his, his problems. He still wrestled with the flesh. He was the one that wrote, that said, the things that I would do, I don't do. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. And the things that I, that I want to do or the things that I don't want to do, I do. And because of this internal battle of the flesh, we all have that. Paul wasn't, uh, wasn't some kind of superhero Christian. But he was a submitted Christian. And when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, we'll find ourselves sanctified, purified. Galatians chapter, or sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Colossians 3.10 says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Here in Colossians chapter 3, the putting on the new man comes after the putting off of the old man, realizing that we've been crucified. Verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth in the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things in the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify you therefore your members which are upon the earth. Going on talking about taking those things that we once were, mortifying, killing them, putting them to death, and setting them aside. That's no longer who we are anymore. And now put off also those, those other things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. Listen, Paul's not perfect, and you're not perfect, but we're to strive for holiness. We're to, we're to strive to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And that happens as we, renew, as we renew ourselves through the word of God. Paul says, I am ready. He was called, separated out, sanctified. And he was studied up. Now, he spent years studying the word of God. He spent, spent years by himself in preparation. He, wasn't, he was not a a missionary church planner, uh, right away. There were years where he just served in church. But I can guarantee you, during that time, God was speaking to him. The Bible tells us, or Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. For us to be able to preach the gospel, to preach the word of God, we need to know the word of God. 
Now listen, you don't have to know every verse uh, to be able to, to, to talk about uh, salvation. Uh, you can start out just by taking those things that you do know and sharing those things. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't prepare for next time. Right? A, a brand new Christian can tell somebody what Jesus Christ did for them, and that could be enough for, for, to draw somebody to Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't prepare and study and be ready to reason with people. Listen, uh, we, we, we talk about faith, and they need to trust by faith. We're asking people to believe something. What is it we're asking them to believe? And what? Listen, Paul reasoned with people. He didn't just say, hey, you need to believe this, and you're saved. No, he gave them things to reason with. In fact, at the end of the book of Acts, it talks about how he, got, he gets to Rome and he calls in all the, those notable people and, he says, and it says he reasoned with them for the whole day that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. He took them to, from the Old Testament to prove that he was the Messiah and that, that through his death that we can now stand righteous before God. He reasoned with them all day and said some believed and some didn't and said, hey, well, so, well, some said we'll come back and talk about this again. He didn't just give them a five-minute, he died, you're a sinner. He didn't, it wasn't something that quick. Sometimes it takes more. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be studied up. We need to be prayed up. Luke chapter 11 is, is the, the apostles or the disciples have asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And he gives them uh, a model prayer. It's not his prayer. Uh, it's, a, it's a model prayer. But in that, he gives them a parable. Turn over there real quick. I preached on it several times, so we won't spend a lot of time here. He gives them a parable of a man coming to, to, to ask his friend for some food for, for a stranger who's come in who has none, and he has none to feed him. And he says, not because of the of his friendship, but because of his importunity, he continues to knock on the door. That's why. That's when he gives him what he wants. Then he talks about the different things uh, uh, that ask and it shall be given, but it doesn't mean just ask once. That's that's the idea of continual asking, continual seeking, continual knocking. And then he says, uh, verse uh, eleven: If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Jump over to verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? What is it that we need to be ready? The Holy Spirit. Think God's not willing to share it with you? He's commanded you to be full of it. Listen, he already dwells within you. He already desires to have control in your life. Do we think he's not going to give it to us if we ask him? Of course he is. Paul says, I am ready. He was called, he was, he was separated unto it, he was purified, he was studied up, he was prayed up. In fact, he asked the church to pray that, for open doors, uh, that he might share the gospel. He asked the church to pray for boldness for him to go and to preach the gospel. This is Paul, a man who was bold and a man who with power preached the word. But he asked for prayer for those things. And he was filled, he was ready. The question is, are we we know we're called. We know we're, we're separated out. Are we studied up? Have we prayed and asked God to help us? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we ready? The third statement we find in verse 16, and this is the verse that many of us have memorized. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. It amazes me how many times, or we may say that we're not ashamed, how many times people are ashamed to speak up to share the gospel of Christ. Listen, if uh, Paul was beaten, Paul was shipwrecked, Paul was, was, a, was a stoned to death, or nearly to death, uh, uh, he was chased out of town multiple, on multiple occasions as they, as they sought to take his life, uh, uh, he had to use his wits and, the, and discernment of the Spirit of God to keep himself from being killed in, some, in, in certain instances. Uh, at one point, he's, he's there with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're questioning him. The Romans are watching from afar, and they, 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 he... he, he, he he mouths off to the high priest, and the high priest commands the guy next to him to, to, to punch him in the face, to, to smite him. And he punches him in the face. And, and then God gave him the discernment to see that some of them were Pharisees and some were Sadducees, and he threw out a theological question, which they disagreed upon. And instead of arguing over him, they began to fight amongst each other. Instead of trying to kill him, and, they, and then God sent in the Romans to rescue him. And that's how he got to Rome. Listen, God worked all those things out. But, but it was, if anybody was going to be afraid to, to preach the gospel, you'd think it would be somebody who actually faced some kind of persecution. Instead of people that have never faced any real persecution. Instead, we're afraid, we're ashamed because of what somebody might think of what we'll say. Listen, you know why Paul wasn't ashamed? Well, we're going to talk about why Paul wasn't ashamed. I'm going to get ahead of myself here. Paul wasn't the same because of the origin of the gospel. Verse 1 tells us this, that it's the gospel of God. It's divine in nature. It wasn't just a story that Paul came up with. It wasn't even a story that the apostles came up with. It was a story that was written long before the earth had ever, and I say written, it was, still, uh, it was in, uh, the plan in the mind of God long before God said, let there be light. He knew, the sin of, he knew that the sin of the world would, would arise. He knew that there would be a separation because of, because of their sin. And in that, he also knew that someone would have to die. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of life. He knew it wasn't his story. He knew it wasn't just an anecdotal evidence. He knew that it came from God and God himself. So he wasn't afraid of it. It was, it was, it was a, not only was it of divine origin, but it was, it was delightful. It's good news for a reason. It's good news for a reason. Paul witnessed in his very own life the change that could take place. Out of anybody. In, 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 a lot of times we, we look at people's testimonies and we think, wow, this testimony is amazing and that testimony is great and this one brought themselves out of drugs or God brought them out of drugs and alcohol and this one was in jail. and Those are all great. Paul was a murderer of Christians. And By the way, no testimony is, no testimony is greater than anybody else's. We're all in need of Christ and the same powerful gospel saved us all. But when we stop and think about what God did in his life, he had evidence in his life of what God had done, what God had saved him from, and what God had made him into. 
He wasn't ashamed, maybe in his mind were, were, were the, the words that said, that if, if any man is ashamed of me or my words, then I'll be ashamed of them before the Father. I'm not sure what was in his mind, but he says, listen, I am, I am, I am a debtor. I am, I am ready and I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul understood that he was obligated to the gospel. He was a servant of the gospel. He was sent to preach the gospel. He also understood the operation of the gospel. Why was he not ashamed? Notice it says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He knew firsthand all that Christ had gone through. He knew the struggle, the pain, the suffering. The, uh, he understood those things. He saw those things. He saw the, uh, the, the, the sacrifices that those, that those Christians made at, at, his, at, his very own, at his very own hand. He knew that there was a gospel of Jesus Christ. And as such, there was power in it. It's a powerful gospel. It changed lives. It saved souls. He was on the road to Damascus when God, when God struck him down. Where were you? Well, what was going on in your life when, when, when God knocked you down? Listen, I say knocked you down because we all have to humble ourselves before we can, before we can worship the Lord. Where were you when the, the Holy Spirit of God opened up your eyes and you were convicted of your sin? Think about that for a moment. And the power of God it took to save you, to forgive you, to cleanse you, to change you. The same power, though, the word is dynamo, that, uh, it's, uh, the idea, or the word where we get dynamite from. Uh, this, it's, it's a power that, that, that raised Christ from the dead. It's that same power that put new life into you. And Paul understood those things. He says, listen, uh, I understand how the, how the gospel works. It's, it's, it's a work of God, not a work of man. It's not, it's not just you turn over a new leaf. Because we can all turn over a new leaf. Uh, it's not just going to AA and, and, and decide to stop doing something bad. It's God has changed me from the inside out. And I can't figure out how, how it happened other than it was the power of God and the work of Christ in my life. Now, I'm not ashamed of what God's done in me. But also, uh, notice uh, he's not ashamed because of the outreach of the gospel. It's, it's all inclusive. He says, Verse 14, or sorry, 15, 16. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's, it's inclusive. God hasn't said he's just going to save this group or this group. or He hasn't prioritized anybody. He's not saying this has to go to these ones first. It's for everybody. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, I, no, 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 I only met you and you and you. The, the, the gospel is for everybody. The Bible, this whole idea of, of Calvinism and Reformed theology, listen, if you like to read books, be careful of Reformed theology because it's just another, it's, it also is, is it's Calvinism wrapped up in pretty packaging where, where God picks and chooses who he wants to be saved. Uh, I'm sorry, but the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that he would have all men come unto him. The Bible says that the, his blood was shed for the whole world, for all of our sins, not just a few. 
So, yes, not everybody will get saved, but that's because God gave us free will. Don't fall into that idea. It's all-inclusive. Verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith. In the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. Why? First, because we see a holy God. Our first, and our first understanding of God must be that he is holy. Because if he is holy, what does it matter if we're not? Or if he isn't holy, what does it matter if we're not? He is a holy God, and because he's holy and we are sinful, that's where the separation comes. So in this gospel, we see that God is holy. We see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We see, we see God is holy. We see that Jesus, God in the flesh, is righteous and the only appropriate atonement for our sin. If, 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 if Jesus wasn't righteous, then how could he have died for our sin to pay the the propitiation, the atonement, the, the payment that, that must have been made to, to, to cover our sinfulness. He couldn't have. That's why the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. So, so in, in the gospel, we see God's holiness. In the gospel, we see the righteousness or the holiness of Jesus Christ. And, in the, through, and through the gospel, we can see the righteousness in our own lives. Not because I'm righteous. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. But the Bible does tell me that, that through Christ, uh, through, his, uh, his, uh, through his sacrifice, God imputes my sin upon him and his righteousness to me. That is a good deal. How many of you like a good deal? If I were to give you $5 and, and you were to give me $100, that is a good deal. And you all said, for who? For me. Well, that's what Jesus did. You gave him a worthless piece of trash. And he gave you his righteousness. And I think of that, and I, no, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Then that should propel me than to go and to preach the gospel. Because if I am a debtor, and if I am ready and prepared, and if I'm not ashamed, Paul says it like this, won't be if I preach not the gospel. When God called me to preach, uh, and I surrendered, I I, I can remember that argument with God on the way. Now listen, this is, the, the, this is my, my call to, to preach, to pastor, not to, not to preach the gospel. We're all called to that and to, to preach the gospel. But, but that verse is the one that really that, that God just kept putting in my head. Woe unto me. Reminding me also of, of uh, I believe it was Jeremiah, who, who said, that he, that after being made fun of and ridiculed, uh, how he, I, I swore I would never preach in his name again, but it burned within me. And the gospel should burn within us and looking for a way out. Looking for the, for the, for looking for the, the next good ground to sow the seed in. And listen, if I remember correctly, the sower didn't just sow the seed in good ground. He sowed it everywhere. 
we have that list of we have our list of uh, names that we we've been praying for. There are about thirty nine on that list right now. I hope you've been praying for them. The Bible says, "The day that sowed tears shall reap in joy." If we're not praying for those souls, there's a good chance they'll never be saved. Doesn't mean God can't save them. It doesn't mean God won't save them. Because they may have others that are praying for them. And I hope there are others that are praying for them. But I won't really get to reap in the joy if I'm not a part of the sowing in tears. I'll be, I'll be glad when somebody else gets saved. But there's a difference between somebody that you've labored with tears over and just hearing that somebody got saved. You know how I know the difference? There have been times when so-and-so got saved. Oh, praise the Lord, that's good. And, I, and I'm, on, I, 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 I'm rejoicing, somebody got saved. Years ago, the first year we had camp, for those of you that were there, that was one of our most, that was one of the most life-altering uh, years that we had there. Some of the counselors had asked us to pray for certain people, certain uh, teenagers. And we were counseled by, uh, we had Brother uh, Dave O'Donnell with us. And, and he'd run summer camps, Christian summer camps for a while. And he said, listen, nothing really breaks until Wednesday or Thursday when the kids are starting to get tired. Um, he was up until then, most everybody's kind of just wound up and cut up and everything. So but they gave us those names. And a couple of us would go out and just pray during all the messages. Didn't hear, I didn't hear any of the messages that week. But we were given names of, of certain kids that they knew were lost. Some came from our church. They came down with us. They weren't really members of our church, but they came. Others were from other churches. And I remember when the next morning, when River came down, he went with our church. He was there early for breakfast. And the first words out of his mouth were, I got saved last night. He was one of the names. Over a period of three days, all of those names forward during the invitations of the different services. That's where I got the name, Sabi Ravi. I was leading music and I couldn't see to, to sing. I couldn't get the words out because I was crying because every single one came to Christ. There is a difference when you labor over somebody with prayer. Even if you don't get to plant the seed, even if you're not there to reap the harvest, and you've labored in prayer, and, they, and God, God gloriously saves them through the power of the gospel, man, there's joy. And we experience some joy 
because we're faithful in sowing and tears. May we experience joy because we realize that we're a debtor to God and to them. May we experience that joy because we're ready to preach the gospel. And we're not ashamed to do it. God help us. Father God, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, I pray that you would have your way with us. I pray, Lord, that you would um, bless the rest of the service, Lord. Lord, have your way with us, Lord. Convict us if we need convicted. Help us to, to make those things right with you, Lord. Lord. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.